Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. And you're very welcome back to the Hawkeye Psychic Harlem Podcast with your host Mark Kennedy. Joined this week by Rory Walsh and James Mulcair and also we have Karen Collins all the way from Dubrovnik in Croatia. Uh, and we're going to probably have a look at the All-Ireland Senior Harlem Final. Reflect on the year with a few teams of the year, highs and lows, and also look at the temporary management situation where Liam Cahill was announced as the new temporary manager. Um, lads, how are things? Good, Mark. How are you keeping? Yeah, good, good. Um, I suppose we'd get right to it, uh, the All-Ireland Senior Harlem Final. Uh, Rory, what were your thoughts of that match between uh, Limerick and Kilkenny? It was a great game. Um Anytime you get in an Ireland final, it comes right down to the wire. You know, uh, it's going to have fans and tender hooks. But at the same time, uh, there was quality to it as well. Um, very high-scoring game. I think it's at a half time. It was the highest-scoring first half in the history of of All Ireland finals. So that will kind of tell you the quality of it. And uh, Limerick were good for their win. I thought. Um, I know Kilkenny put them to the pin at their collar, but uh, just like Clare had done and Galway had done, but they found a way each time of getting through it, and they did it again in the final. And, um, yeah, just, I suppose, the arrival of um, uh, Walter and uh, also Richie Hogan kind of looked like they were giving Kilkenny that kick that they needed just at the right time. You kind of wonder maybe why Walter didn't start because he caused so much havoc when he came on just as being an outlet for, for long puckouts because in the first half they weren't really getting much joy from the long puckout. But, uh, yeah, look, it made for an interesting end to the game and uh, brought it right down to the wire. And, again, look... Um, I think this has been Limerick's most impressive All-Ireland because out of all their wins so far this year, they were, you know, they had to really scramble over the line against Galway, against Clare, against, as I mentioned, even a Tipperary, the Munster Championship had them in trouble at times. And they just kind of showed this composure, this, uh, I suppose we, we've heard before, it's become a cliche, sticking to the process, but you can see now in tight games what it does for them, the fact that they don't panic and they do stick to and believe in um you know, their coach, Paul Knark, and, and the style of play he's taught them, and they just keep sticking with it, and it does get them over the line. So, uh, And also their bench as well. But look, I thought, overall, again, yeah, I thought it was a great final. Um, some great scores, we said. A, a goal for the ages as well from Garrod Hegarty in the first half. Kilkenny showing unbelievable fighting spirit, and some great long-range scores from Kilkenny as well that kind of got them back into it as well. And, uh, yeah, look, and at the end, I think um, the, the better team probably on the day did win. Um but it looked shaky with a couple of minutes to go whether we were going to be looking at extra time when Richie Hogan landed the equaliser and momentum was with Kilkenny. But and if Limerick just had that little swing back their way going into full-time whistle. So, yeah, it was, it was again, great final. And um, three in a row, it's it's they joined that club. I think they're the fourth county to do a three in a row. And um, you'd never have thought in 2018 when they won their first one that they were going to win four of the next five. But, yeah, and... The team are still young. There's another few years in them as well, which is a worrying thing for all the rest of the counties out there, but fully deserves and, as I said, a great win. Yeah, Rory. Uh, James, bring you in there. What were your thoughts on the match? Yeah, similar to Rory, I thought uh, it was an excellent final. Probably um, probably the best final since the uh, typical Kenny uh, John game in, what was that, 2014. Uh, and certainly uh, the biggest test Limerick have had in the finals um, out of the four that they've um, uh, that they've contested now. And um, uh, I thought that uh, Limerick were for me. I thought that Kenny 
they, they play to their maximum, they play to their potential. I don't think Kenny can actually come away thinking that, uh, you know, they, they, you know, that they, they didn't give it all out there. They, they left it all out, their, out the pitch, died with their boots on, as they say. But I always kind of felt that Limerick were, I never kind of felt on the day that Lim, that Kenny were going to were gonna overhaul Limerick. It seemed to me on occasions that Limerick, you know, they were, they were the better team, I thought, throughout. And Kenny just kept, like, any time it looked like that Limerick were going, like Limerick looked like the team a few times that they might go away from Kilkenny. They went five or six points up a couple of times. And just every time that they looked like they were about to run away, um, Kilkenny bounced back with a, you know, either a goal or a couple of scores. And just kept plugging away, kept digging in, um, which is a testament to Kenny as well. They're just, they're just an incredibly hard team to 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 shake off. But uh, for me, again, we, we spoke about this at the Munster final, we spoke about it after the semi-final and spoke um, again after the final yesterday. It's just Limerick's composure. I mean, they just seem to be able to execute no matter what, like execute at a really high level, no matter what kind of pressure you put on them. Uh, you know, and like, you know, I think even on like stuff like their um, their shot selection and um, and their accuracy, like there's very few wides and uh, I can't remember too many wides. Um, in the final overall on both sides actually and um it's just just down the stretch i just think Limerick they have to, like they, they, they i think you used the phrase there rory sticking to the process that's what they do they just about ultimate trust themselves trust in the system um trust individually as well and even players that are coming on from the bench and yeah like as as, as difficult as kilkenny are to put away it's very hard to see a team stopping like the, i'm looking there at the like the age profile of this Limerick team and they've done it this year. This is probably their best. I'd agree with that as well, Roy. This is probably their best All Ireland in that they were severely tested in the Munster final, severely tested in the semi final, and again in the in the final. And they've come through um, three um, games where they've been put to the pin of their collar. And I would also add, without their best player, um, and you know, no, nobody's come up with the answers to to beat them. And um, it's I think it's worrying for. Um, for other counties, like I, I, I heard, um, uh, as a Declan Hanner, Dimer Burns was on one of the morning uh, radio stations, and uh, he was having fruit for his, <laughs> he was having fruit for his breakfast uh, the following morning. So, like, um, you know, like that says to me that, you know, they're they're not thinking in the here and now. They're they're already looking. For their you know their their minds are probably already turning to twenty twenty three, and. Um, yeah, I, 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 if it's and you're looking at it right now, Keen Lynch come back in as well, and you know Casey be fully fit. Imagine by next year as well. So you're looking at it saying, who's going to stop next year? I don't know. We, 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 but, but yeah, excellent, excellent final for me overall, Mark, and uh, congrats uh, to yourself and 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 Kieran as well on the on the Limerick win. Kieran, we'll bring you in there. What were your thoughts for the All Ireland tournament final? Yeah. So firstly, I want to say um, how much I look forward to this final all week, you know, I don't think many would have predicted at the start of the year, but um, to be fair to both teams and the conditions, you know, they put on a, a hell of a game, you know, I think it was probably one of the best All-Ireland finals in the last couple of years, and, uh, you know, I think from the point of view of intensity and tackling, you know, their both teams were ferocious, and these were points there, you Especially in the first half, you'd wonder how they could keep it going for the 70 minutes, especially with the heat. But to be fair to them, they did, and no team let up at any stage. Um, I do think Limerick were probably were the better team over the 70 minutes. You know, they 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 got ahead and and stayed ahead for the whole game, and 
but you know, credit to Kilkenny, like Limerick probably had a four to six point cushion at times, but Kilkenny always clawed it back. And when they got the second goal, you know, back to the level, and you're thinking like this game could go anyway, but you know, up steps Tom Morris, he scores two out of three points in a row for Limerick, and you know they're back on top again. And it's just never say die attitude in this Limerick team, which really mesmerises me. And you know, uh, there was some inspirational performances all over the field but you know I think it's just that they just don't seem to panic and they never give up and you know I think this year probably the first year we've seen them really pushed and to be able to pull it out of the bag with like what the Kenny threw at them you know I think probably makes it even all the sweeter when you when we look back at it in a few weeks time. Yeah look I know I said this you know not many would have predicted Kenny being here at the start of the year and I suppose if you look back over the year it's been a probably a, a crazy year really you know I started with the league and everyone was tipping Waterford and Cork to be the teams to to pull it up to Limerick at the end of the year and their battles kind of fell away very early but I think Clare then took up the mantle of that team and you know, really, really had a good Munster campaign and, and you know, through the kitchen sink at Limerick in that Munster final. Um, you know, what's gone wrong since, I don't know, but, you know, this Kenny team from the very start of the year, you know, okay, probably similarly to Limerick, not an overly good league, but, you know, they've built and built and built and, you know, there was, when Cody was naming his team week on week, it was a different 15, but I think the last few games that same 15 stuck and, you know, they were, you know, they were doing, they knew what they had to do and they were, you know, they, they probably wore snakes in the grass for a bit of it, but, you know, I think they definitely, definitely deserve to be there come on our final day. And I suppose if you're looking at Kilkenny, um, you know, they had some great performances all over the field, it's no more than, I think, TJ Reid was, for me, exceptional. Um, although he didn't score from play, I think he just created so much. And any good forward play that Kilkenny had going, like he was front and centre to it. Uh, I thought he was exceptional. He created everything. And I think a lot of their forward attacks relied on him and he played some part on it. So, you know, he is 35 and you're kind of thinking to the future. And you know, I do have that question mark that what or how good this Kilkenny team would be without TJ Reid in there. Um, I just thought he would, you know, nine points from, from place ball, was absolutely unbelievable striker the ball, but he just, uh, he was just involved so, so much, and, you know, I think he was part of the reason that they played so well. Now, there is some young develop developing players coming in Kilkenny, and, you know, Adrian Mullen had a great game. Owen Cody, well, he didn't have his best day, but we know how good he is. You know, Carey wing back, King Kenny midfield, and and Mikey Butler. You know this young guy. He is, you know, he he's gonna be up there with Sean Finn in, in in years to come. You know, I think he's had some exceptional performances this year. And you know, again at the weekend, I think you know, there's no fear to Kenny. These are the young guys that are being bred through. You know, they they they'll always be there. Um, once they keep up that attitude of never being beaten and the work rate. You know they'll never be too far away from Ireland. Then on the other hand, you know you look at Limerick and, and how did they win it? You know I think I suppose first of all 
we all know about the intensity and the, the work rate Limerick bring to games but also to get the the best performance for the big day when they need it you know they, they seem to pull it out of the bag every time uh, no more so than our half forward line you know 113 from the half forward line is just a unbelievable return um, you know Kyle Hayes four points Tom Marcy who needed a big game another four points and then you know Gerald Hegarty, like, uh, he just pulls it out in the big day, 1-5, uh, on top of 2-2 from last year, you know, he's just, uh, he's just a man monster, and what a finished goal, and even the points he took from all over the field, they were, you know, it was just uh, a performance of the ages, definitely, and I think when you go looking at the stats, it, it, like, it shows how how in control the Limerick half forward line were, you know, they had 48 possessions during the game, but 17 of them, they were unmarked, you know, which just goes to show their movement. Um, and also, you know, testament to Nicky Quaid and his puckouts, but, you know, to, to show that they can get free nearly half of the times that they were possession of the ball, you know, it, it just shows how well they moved and how well drilled they are. But, you know, it's a big, big area for Limerick, and it's a big line that you, you know, usually does perform and, and produce the, the, the good for Limerick. I think another stat for me, um, Limerick won seventy-three percent on the breaking ball from their long restarts. You know, so compare that to Kenny's of thirty-three percent. You know, so if they didn't win the the long ball down, there they were someone there for the breakdown. You know, so. Um, it's crucial and it's part of Limerick's play but I think it's it's what makes them so hard to beat is that if they don't get it the first time there's a very good chance they'll win the dirty ball after that and like on the long bookouts Limerick had 34 and 125 of their own you know which is an incredible stat which compare that again to Kilkenny's who are known as long or long puckout specialists but you know they only won 13 of their own 32 so I think that's another sign where they might have struggled and I think that testament to Limerick's half back line, you know, I think things weren't going well, especially in the first half for Kenny, but I think bringing on wall to wall at half time kind of steadied that ship a bit for him. But I think, you know, Limerick's half back line, half forward line, that the work they just do, um, it's just unbelievable. But aside from the, the hard work and the intensity, you know, I think for both teams, the efficiency, you know, Kenny had 10 wides to Limerick's 12, you know, that's. You know, I think it's something that Limerick do struggle with, especially early season where the wide rack up. But you know, the big day, um, to be that efficient, and I'm sure there was tired bodies and there was, you know, some way where shooting could have been taken. But I think it's just a, a real testament to both teams that the, the efficiency on the day. So obviously, you know, I think Kenny would be happy with their year, and you know, there'll be things they'll, they'll work on and they'll develop. Uh, I think it's been probably a good year for them, you know, another Leinster title and a, and a crack at the All-Ireland Champions, but for Limerick I think, you know, they're now 16 matches unbeaten in the Championship, and the beast, Cork, Waterford, Tipperary, Clare, Galway and Kenny along the way, I think for me it leaves no question marks over how credible the All-Ireland win is, you know, if you look back at the year, I think like, Teams have thrown everything at them and, and they've always come out on top. So I think, you know, maybe this might be just the sweetest one yet. So guys, uh, just in terms of the start, I know when we were previewing this in the podcast last week, we were thinking about 
Limerick being forewarned about that good early start coming from Kilkenny. But this time it was Limerick. And I suppose, Rory, what can you say about your old Hegarty on the final? A big player is delivering on the big day. And again, St. Patrick's man delivered in spades. What a dominant performance. Yeah, and it was something that we kind of alluded to last week that might happen is that um, the Limerick's full forward line being so potent in the Munster final and the semi-final, particularly Aaron Galan, that Kilkenny half-back limit would have you know, one eye over their shoulder. And uh, very, you cannot play Limerick half-forward line like that, kind of watching over your shoulder to make sure you're, you're covering and helping out with the cornerbacks because you take your eyes off Hegarty, uh, Hayes and um, Tom Morrissey and you're going to be in trouble. And the Limerick half-forward line scored 113 from play, which... It was phenomenal. 113 from play. Um, Hegarty, of course, scoring 1-5 out of that total. And he gave a performance at the ages. For a big man, his touch is just sublime. Um, plus the ability to win ball in the air because when Kilkenny had Limerick on the rack in the second half, Nicky was able to go along to Garod, who was able to either win the ball and, and lay off a pass, win a free or break it for somebody else. So I, that was equally as impressive as the scores he was getting. Just you know, winning that dirty ball at crucial moments of the game. And uh, he was the most deserving of men of the match winners anyway. Uh, and that was from a team where, who had numerous you know, star performers on the day. Declan Hannon as well had a great game. I thought his centre-back, his best game of the year. But um, Hegarty was just hitting shoulders above everyone, not just literally, but performance-wise as well. The pick-up for the goal was, uh, yeah. like it was that was absolutely phenomenal. Like, And then like, uh, when, when he like a, after doing that pickup, then he just like he hands off Reed as if like as if he's not there, and then like because you're even taking at that point right that the position that he was in is still a difficult chance right you're you've got the arguably the best the best goal the best shot stopper out there right and uh, the margin like where you have to put it to beat him it, it's very very like like it's the only spot where he could beat him is where he put it and what a finish <laughs> like it's it's. It was, an, it was an, unbe- an unbelievable goal, um, and you know he, he was like it's, it's kind of funny because the, the in the semi final we were allowed in the full forward line and the half forward line for for Limerick probably you know were not at their best and got taken off and then in the final it was nearly kind of rolled reverse that um, you know the 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 full forward line weren't as uh, weren't as dominant as they have been and and just it's just that that half forward line like because even when Say Blanchfield came on that second half, and, and you know he, I, I wouldn't say he quite in Hagerty, but Hagerty maybe had a period there where he wasn't as dominant as he was. But then Kyle Hayes is coming into, Kyle Hayes is coming into it, and and the same Morrissey as well. So just just I thought that that half forward line was just ferocious on the day. And like you mentioned the puckouts there, Rory, I thought like obviously Kenny pushed up on you know to you know they, they were obviously looking that was their tactic to. To you know, to eliminate the um, or to give Limerick no easy outball on the um, on the short buckouts. But it's just the movement of the half forward line as well. They kind of they do this kind of run where they kind of they kind of come in and then look to break out to the sides. And so like it, it made meant then that um, Nicky Quaid then when he was pinging the puckouts, he, he's pinging him up to a fella that's running onto the ball. So like uh, you and once they get into hand, then they were just. I, I thought it was. I thought that half forward line was just uh, out, outstanding on the day. Like I was reading some stat there where, um, you know, like Hegarty had twenty three possessions throughout the game, like which I mean that's just that's crazy. Like you know you you'd you be thinking there that like if you get into double digits, you're doing well and you're having a you know a really good impact on the game. But twenty three is just like that's you know 
ridiculous yeah and like um just like not as you said not just him but like uh, the, the whole that whole half forward line was just um that's the winning of the game right there you know for, yeah, for, was, for, that was the difference wasn't it because um if you were to pick like one line in the field where limerick absolutely blew kilkenny away it was that half forward line versus half back line i think if you were to give cody like a one if he could repeat groundhog day repeat the all-ireland final day again I think he'd have, he'd have, he'd really have to think about his position of the half back line and even then um, the way Limerick were able to get Hegarty across on Carey for a couple of puckouts and freed him up like Kenny didn't follow them man for man on, on puckouts and it kind of let Limerick players get loose but the timing of that you were on about James Nicky's puckouts into space but just for that to go right the player has to be hitting that space as the ball is arriving there and they just have it to a tee like they never arrive too early where they're you know a second or two waiting for the ball they never arrive too late where they miss it they're arriving just as the ball is bouncing it's just like sublime timing and, and um they're just i suppose they're, they're in sync like with their keeper which is a huge thing Um, another thing i think uh, cody w- would look at as well because obviously it was very obvious in the first half the kenny's tactics and buckets were they were going to go along they obviously weren't as confident working the ball out um as you know limerick are so they, they thought that they could win you know, primary ball with TJ and stuff going along. I think he'd be sorry he didn't start Walter in that case because uh, apart from TJ in the air, uh, Limerick dealt with the high ball like you know, pretty well. And even TJ at times, like, I think he caught two or three balls in the first half, but still like they targeted him about 10 times. So Limerick were able to just manage to bring it to ground and then they were winning the second ball. So I think tactically, like that's like Cody, you could say like he did lose the tactical battle in that case in the first half with the buckouts and the position of his half back line. Um, as well and it's a rare thing to say I suppose with Cody with his experience in finals then you could say then he did get the substitutes right though because uh, all their subs made an impact with Kenny and they were finishing a lot stronger um, than they had started the game you know so um, okay he might have got things wrong from the start but it's probably a good sign of a manager and experience that he was able to rectify them during the game but uh, yeah again if he had a chance to repeat it I don't think he'd make those mistakes from the start again Blanchfield is an interesting one, isn't he? Like because uh, yeah. he was, I thought he was, I thought he was like, I thought he was very good for Kilkenny throughout the league, right? And then, you know, he kind of didn't really get, more, you know, here and there, like didn't really get much of a look in um, throughout the championship, certainly not the business end of the championship. And then he comes on again there the last day, and uh, I thought like in a line that was, you know, like that was causing an absolute wreck and I thought he I thought he kind of steadied the ship a little bit for them um it's just um I don't know Cody seemed for I'm not really sure why like he, it's not like he fell out of favor because he lost a form or anything it's just um uh I'm not really sure yeah it's, it's just Cody Cody made that call but um he would have been an interesting one like if that's well, like as you said it's it's easy to be you know with hindsight to look back and say they could have done um mm. this or that but um I don't know. Yeah, like um, I like in, in my head, I, I, I there are things obviously that Kenny could look back on and say that they could have done things differently. But at the same time, I think a lot of things, I think a lot of things went right for Kenny on the day in terms of their performance. I don't really think they could give more in terms of, in terms of you know, uh, asking for uh, effort on the day. I thought like they they were just you know they they emptied the tank really. Um, but it's just. Yeah, there's a they're tactically all right. Cody kind of yeah, he got he and he didn't seem to he didn't seem to alter that when he did make switches in personnel, he still can seem to persist with that um with that strategy and the puckouts, which I don't know, you were touching on you were touching on there, Rory is the like the accuracy from Quaid and this stuff is is like he must be like 
he's actually he's, like on puckouts alone. Like if you were picking, like it's very difficult to pick um, between the two goalkeepers in terms of if you're picking the, who, who's the better of the two. Like, like Murphy has him probably on shot stopping, but on on distribution, like I'm not saying that Murphy is any slouch in distribution, but Quaid's puckouts are just like mm. it, they're reading it before um, before he's even like. I, they're 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 completely in sync. It's it's very 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 well drilled, and um, very hard to stop as well because, like, by the time it comes in, like, it's not like they're getting static ball. They're they're running onto it and they're and they're like once it's into hand, they're they're almost impossible to stop. Then they they've got such physicality that um that let me claim um half forward line. So it's um yeah, it's like it's 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 just it's very very impressive to watch. Even even going into that puck out strategy a bit, put up in half flies, Limerick's tactic, particularly full forward line retreating 30, 40 metres, giving Mikey Butler the ball. Kilkenny got destroyed in the short puck outs in the opening period, and then there was no surprise really that Walter Walsh had to come on. I mean, they did go route one and looking for Walter and TJ Reid. I have to mention TJ Reid, lads. I mean, what a phenomenal performance from TJ. Even in that first half, when after six minutes, it looked as if Limerick were going to run away with it. Like Aaron Galan had a superb goal chance when he got the ball over the head of uh, Hugh Lawler. He lost, he lost <laughs> the hurley, didn't he? But yeah. Like if, that, if that had yeah, gone like in, that, he'd looked on with this. An yeah. eight-point start, like, or whatever, seven or eight-point start. And, I, yeah, like, that would have really tested Kilkenny then, all right. Like, but you're right, like, Reid was, like, I don't think, he, I don't think he, did he score from play, did he? Uh, not sure if he did, if he if but like he, his uh, all own contribution. He had, the only thing I, I remember that he did that uh, was that he had a chance there and that in the first half wasn't it where he um, coming up to half time he had the ball um, on the left hand side and uh, he, he he like on, like you wouldn't expect him to put that wide but he put that wide when you know at that point um, Kilkenny were kind of um, you know kind kind of putting pressure on on. Uh, on Limerick, uh, that's the only thing I can remember him that that he missed. But um, I thought, yeah, in general play, he was he, he was he was outstanding. outstanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though he didn't score from play, he actually won. He won three or four of the frees himself. You know, which are as good as the score from play if he's the one winning the frees. But yeah, it's true. Like as he said in the first half, when when Kilkenny were struggling, especially like short ball, as you said, Mark, they had to go along. They had nobody really winning except for TJ was the only one who stood up really in that spell and kept Kilkenny in the game. When they could have, you know, that margin could have gotten bigger and bigger, um, and they could have been, you know, out of the game by half time. But like it was remarkable, really, that they had, you know, fought their way back to four points in the first half, where like they were, you know, out of the game for huge spells in that first half. The war was kind of, it was kind of a, um, that first half was kind of interesting because you, you like Kenny did, like you know, they, they clawed it back to 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 work their way back into the game. You're kind of looking at the scoreboard, thinking, "Geez, I thought Limerick were about seven or eight points ahead here." You know, like um. Because they were, they were on top, but um, it's just like it, it was. I suppose you, you'd call it really uh, kind of typical Kenny traits, and where they where they where they dog it out and um, their work rate, uh, like both teams' work rate throughout was was very very impressive. I think like um, like there was limited over I think a uh, hundred um, hooks and blocks in the and and Kilkenny in the in the nineties, like which is just it shows you like you know the work rate like. I don't know, I'd be comparing, you know, comparing, looking at those stats and comparing them to, you know, some of Cork's performances when, you know, they wouldn't be hitting anywhere near, anywhere near those numbers, I'd say. So, like, for, um, and, like, and this is done as well, but, like, 
I look at Hagerty and like one of the scores he got there towards the end, he's still brushing fellas off, like pushing fellas off after like 70 minutes of that performance in that heat as well. And, um, you know, it's just, just it's, it's a testament to their commitment and testament to their um, 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 strength and conditioning as well, both sides. And the remarkable thing about Hegarty is when he was a minor and under 20, okay, he was really athletic and effective as the words you used to describe him. Like he, he's, you would have thought he, he's striking, need a lot of work. He's touching, need a lot of work. You could not see the transformation into the player he is now. Maybe, it, you know, it, it's kind of a sign as well for maybe underage. Like I'm just thinking of, of squads here in the Limerick Academy where we would have had very, you know, athletic, tall, athletic players. And you're kind of saying, oh, well, they don't have the hurling. And maybe like it's work persistent with some of these guys, because as we saw with Hegarty, like the hurling can come late for some of these players. And the fact that they're you know, already physically fast and tall or whatever, it's just something you know to maybe think about, I suppose, that often we write off guys that seem a bit awkward if or whatever, underage, and then suddenly they like you can just see it with, with good coaching from the senior team. And obviously he he's has uh you know, the mindset himself to go away and practice and work in his touch and work in his striking like that just that just doesn't happen from going into Limerick training. He obviously is putting massive hours in himself in his own time. But like he has changed into like, you know, possibly like he's up there in the top three half hours in the country anyway. And uh, for Limerick and his All Ireland performance for Limerick have been outstanding. So it's just he a sensation. He just turns up. He delivers. He delivers on the big day, doesn't he? It's like this is a, con- mm-hmm. a, a kind of constant, a constant team with him now. He's he's almost like uh, he's, he's he's developed into like the, the you know the the prototype uh, half forward here, like. Um, uh, just what like that that performance on Sunday was just I was just like as I said we, we said it already like but just the goal like you watch back that goal it's just like not even the finish like it was just the pick like the pick up and the, and the push off uh, like uh, just brushing away uh, defender and I just yeah yeah you do you really, you really admire it and you know what as well the couple of red cards he got earlier this season against Galway in the league and Clare in the round robin I think that's like that's helped him because. Like, in fairness, he was loose with the Hurley in the last couple of years. So one thing you say about him, but, like, his discipline is completely, like, since since that game. And he does get a lot of punishment himself, but he's kept his discipline completely, you know, um, in control. And it's, I just think that's another show string to his bow now that you could think before maybe opposition might say you might get a rise from whatever. But, you know, um, like, that's completely tidied up. And uh, so, you know, maybe made him a bit more focused on what he's doing and, um, so yeah, in, in a way, I think uh, he's come out a bit the better for it. That's actually a very good show. I didn't think of that. But you're right, like yeah, because before you you would have it, like discipline is something that you would have looked to target him. But um, he like I suppose the, the, the greatest compliment you can give him on that is you, I don't recall him getting involved in anything. Um, you know, since um, since then, like or even even you know asking any question of the ref. Uh, so yeah, you're right. Like that's that's a that's a very valid point. And I think I remember at the end of the Munster final where there was a row as Claire Nimerick went into the tunnel and Marty Marcy pointed out Hegarty was walking in 30 metres behind everyone. Like So I think even himself, like he's just conscious of it now. And yeah, it was uh, Marty had to, of course, say Carole Hegarty is definitely not involved in this one. <laughs> but it's somebody who worked on the All-Ireland Hurling finals for Carole Hegarty. I think back to 2020, scored seven points. 2021 against Cork, 2-2. And then culminating in this year with a 1-5 score, um, which is unbelievable for the player. Like the third, the third out of the final, right, in a row that they've, they've gone past the 30 points mark, Limerick as a team. 
that's <laughs> I mean, that's just I don't know like that's I, you, you said it there Rory like in 2018 you know they when when they when they picked Galway Galway seemed to be kind of you know running out of steam that summer you wouldn't have thought like the Limerick they've just gone on to um, another level like three finals in a row to score over 30 points I mean like if you're hitting 30 points that's um, that's a rarity in itself but to do it in three finals in a row yeah, like and like, uh, I I should also add as well, like Kilkenny two twenty six for for beating side as well, which I think is the highest, I think it's the highest total um by a, a losing point a losing team ever, isn't it? Um, two twenty six, it's just um it's ridiculous. Like the, the efficiency levels on the um on the shooting I thought were off the charts the last day. Absolutely. I think Kyle Hayes as well in half forward has to be given and Tom Morrissey as you said you've mentioned it at the start of the podcast but even Kyle Hayes more prominent in open play particularly in that half forward line shortening his grip considerably I thought in, on his striking technique from semi-final to final um, thought he was brilliant more, Tom Morrissey as well really stands up on the big days as well I mean I think he had about four or five assists along with his four points and a few of those points in the second half were pretty clutch guys and we probably come to that in terms of that we expected the Kilkenny sports, the, the scoring sprees, and they certainly came with the Ryan goal and Kilhan goal, aided in no small measure by Walter Walsh and TJ Reid. I suppose Kilkenny very much on the up, and Limerick's composure was being tested at a maximum, but I suppose once Richie Hogan equalised in the 63rd minute, game was fairly in the melting pot, but um, I suppose Rory... We, we talked about it over and over again this season. It's just the composure of Limerick, refusing to panic, trusting the process, and five unanswered points, and Bench being a huge part of that as well, with likes of Cahill O'Neill and Connor Boylan stepping up with huge scores. Yeah, and again, I suppose when I said Limerick scored 113 from play, I, I never included Cahill O'Neill. Big one got a point, and Boylan, there's two more uh, scores. Like So you're looking at maybe 115 overall, which is, you know, it's incredible, really. But... Uh, yeah, um, and th- this is one time, I suppose, as well, where both benches, and it was something that was pointed out last week, was Kilkenny looked for to have a, quite a strong bench de- de- themselves. And uh, it was going to be a factor in the hot day. Um, but look, both teams, I suppose, matched each other in that. Limerick and, and Kilkenny um, both kind of, in a way, the benches nullified each other, which because they both had a big impact when they came in. Um, yeah, and it is one thing. Um, the only thing I might fault is I just saw that stages maybe with 30 minutes to go. Talk about Limerick's composure in possession, but their shape, they lost their shape slightly and started yeah. to drift back the field a bit, which is something we hadn't seen from them, where they went too deep and ended up then once or twice hitting ball out and they had no out ball there at all. Um, but uh, they kind of rectified that again, I suppose. But it's just, um, but on the ball, they were so composed and looking for the player in the best position. I know it's a simple thing to say in sport, give the ball to the guy in the best position, but sometimes in hurling your instinct is hit the ball as far as you can. But Limerick, um, you know, they do have it well matched and they don't want to go along towards Galan. Um, they don't want to mix it up a bit as well. It's not all short, short, short either. So that keeps, you know, keeps the opposition on their toes as well, that they know that there's um, players in behind that can hurt you as well if a long ball goes in. So, um, yeah, it, it was just, again, uh, as we said, it's just the, this year, uh, like, we didn't really have to see composure from them last year because they were they were never really put into a situation like this. Um, against Tipperary at halftime, I suppose, they, they, what they showed them is they didn't panic, maybe, more so, but coming down the stretch, they had the game won, um, whereas this year it was completely different. And um, coming down the stretch, it was anyone's game, again, the semi-final, Munster final, and the All-Ireland final, but it ended up being, you know, Limerick were the ones that got over the line, so... 
uh, yeah, it just shows. And I suppose next year in a tight game, if it does come down to the wire again between Limerick and whoever they're playing, other teams are going to try and match this now and just not panic and keep composure. It's easier said than done, though. Limerick have gone and done it. Even if you go back to the Waterford game, they were they were kind of they were kind of cruising in that game, and then Waterford hit them with two goals, two goals in a couple of minutes later on, where they brought it back. Like other teams could, like because you'd be thinking there, right? If we thought we had this game one, and the natural reaction would be to kind of panic here, you know, the Waterford are back in and back in with a score, but um, no, like um, like the, the the only game right that I, I'd say in, in in championship that they kind of cruise through. And even like even in the court game, they had a bad start in that court game, and um, and that game was still level, we'll say. And then it, like to start even, and then it, it started the second half and Cork brought it back level. That was the only game really where they kind of powered through. Every other game, the the you know, and you said even the tip game, they were they, like they were actually tested. Like and um, I don't know a lot of that down like Lynch for like the great one other good thing about this Limerick team is their adaptability. Like it, it doesn't like if. Someone's off or someone drops out. They've just, you know, players can just slot in anywhere. And um, like, but Lynch, I, I think the, the the loss of Lynch can't be, um, uh, you know, you can't overstate how, how big a loss um, that he is to them. Like, and I think it's, I don't know, I, I know frightening is probably a, a it's too strong a word, but it's uh, for your, if you're if you're for if you're involved with a county that's not Limerick, it's wor- it's worrying like that's um. To see the manner in which they won it this year, um, put to the pin of the collar, particularly in the last three games, and they've done it without their best player to come back in next year is, um, yeah, I, I'm looking at the landscape, thinking, you know, you know, they're not going to say it, obviously, but they could, they're looking here as, um, you know, they obviously won the three in a row, and you know, the the first side outside the traditional big three to do that, and they could be looking at like Kenny came up short for five in a row. This Limerick team could they could go very close to that five five in a row, I'd say. Yeah, the only thing is if they keep getting into tight games, you know, they're you know what I mean? If, they, if the games keep going down to the wire, surely at some stage somebody will, oh, will yeah. come up the other side of it. Um well, speaking of Lynch, I just you know I heard he, he's injured, like there's another couple of months recovery in it, so he's going to be a last for Patrick as well in the championship. Um a huge last for Patrick as well, obviously. Uh, so yeah, there's a, a, a just I know it was at Red or someone said to me this week that uh, he's two months recovery at least from between now and when he's able to hurl again. So, um, yeah, I suppose that's bringing him into se- mid-September. So you're, you're looking at, uh, hopefully, for Patrick's well sake, you're still in the championship when Lynch gets fit again. That was a nice touch as well from Hannon, wasn't it, to, uh, you know, to, br- to bring it up. Like, and you consider, like, the, the, you know, the, the be rival club mates, but, uh, or, you know, club players. But, like, I suppose that highlights as well the... Um, there's obviously great unity. Uh, like the real, the real sense. Like that, I don't know that they're nearly like um, they nearly like a club team the way they're they're, they're playing for each other. And um, yeah, like ho- hopefully that's um, um, we see Lynch back um, you know, uh, back playing and back to his best um before long. Absolutely, no, he's uh, I think he's just an integral part of that side. I think his attitude towards life in hurling, you know, I think was mentioned once or twice by Limerick players post the game, you know, just in terms of his I suppose composure, you know, his confidence in terms of the lads delivering on the day and yeah, I, t- I thought it was a lovely touch there as well. But I suppose with Keane it's been, you know, kind of a year probably to forget really. It had done an awful lot of hurling at the start of the year, guys as well, particularly with NUIG, Fitzgibbon Cup and 
how that ended up, particularly in the final down in Carlo as well. So, look, I think Keane will regroup and become stronger. Peter Casey as well, just coming back to full fitness as well. You've Cahill O'Neill, you've Adam English, you've young guns coming in now next year, really looking to get a starting berth in that uh, Limerick side. So, you're not making us. Uh, <laughs> you're making us a bit nervous, Mark. The more you keep talking, there, you know, like it's. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like they're there. They're there to be shot at now. They, they uh, again. I think you said it there, Rory. Like that, uh, uh, you know, the, if the you know the, the more close games they have, eventually you will get caught, all right, in one of those. But um, I suppose it's a bit like the um, it's a bit like the Dublin footballers, isn't it? At the minute, like where um, they were involved in a few. Um, very close ones there with Mayo and the like, um, which could have gone one way or the other. But it's it's just they had this ability that they just they'd see those um, tight games through. And obviously Limerick, the last two years, uh, uh, you know they've kind they've kind of strolled to the All Irelands really. But uh, this year now is um, it's another um, side to them where you see them um, when it's actually put up to them. And like I go back to that monster final, like whatever about the semi final, the final, but that monster final, clear through everything at them like everything at them and um and they still like you know they they still found a way like they, they still couldn't be you know clear could still couldn't knock them off so like it's going to be very very difficult for a team to get over the hump to actually beat them and it's now what it's it's um what's their beaten record now in the championship is it 16 16 games 16. Yeah, yep. yeah yeah 16 get yeah so that's like you're 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 talking here um like we saw that dr kenny Dr. Kenny team in the uh, the mid to late noughties, um and even into the early early the early part of the last decade, you kind of thought you wouldn't see a team like that again for a very very long time. And lo and behold, here comes a team, you know, eight ten years later that um, you're you're looking at that might actually be as good as them. You know, it's um, it's it's testament to to this, not just the players but the setup that Limerick have as well. Um, you know, if I'm uh, like Kylie, I, is the right man to be in charge there, and um, you know, Carolyn Curd as well, and um, um, it's they're, they're a well-oiled machine. Plus, Paul Canark as well. Canark as well, F- yeah. Fabulous yeah. tactician as well there as well. Just it's such an established backroom staff, uh, along with the Limerick and also JP Mamanis there as well, uh, around the scenes as well. But no, it was, I thought it was an incredible all Ireland final, really, to be fair. I was going to say, Mark, don't forget the two Clareman involved, Alan Cunningham and Angus O'Brien as well. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, you know, it's been a complete team and squad effort and management effort this year. I mean, been an awful lot of challenges for Limerick. I know we spoke at the start of this podcast series in February, but a very underwhelming league from a Limerick standpoint. Some of the media hordes were kind of maybe uh, questioning a few things, but Limerick again, pre-season training, preparing for the championship and they've gotten it absolutely spot spot on, despite a few personnel issues uh, and the fitness front. But again, maybe Rory closing off here with Kilkenny. Reflections of Kilkenny's season. Um, I think it's a promising side here. But um, I suppose next season, uh, where are we thinking? Uh, there was a few rumours here about Brian Cody, but I, I assume Brian Cody will be back for his 25th season, surely? Yeah, the only thing was, uh, I saw one statement where he said, like, uh, Kilkenny... County Board are waiting to release a statement, which you know that that, that made me think maybe he is. And just uh, just kind of watching him, his reaction afterwards, it was like he was soaking it all in, which was uh, you know maybe a sign of a guy. Maybe I'm just reading too much into it. Um, 
sign of a guy that was going. But look, uh, Cody, I think, and in particular, praised his players to the hilt, which, you know, he ha- I suppose he hadn't really done before with teams that had lost. But he, I think he knew that they had, like, uh, as James alluded to, had thrown everything at Limerick. And, uh, you know, he knew that he, they had given a huge performance in that final and just, you know, um, were very close to it, but just didn't get over the line. And uh, I think he sensed that, like, it wasn't like he, his players had kind of capitulated in the final or anything at all like that. It was it, it was the opposite, if anything. So, yeah, it, it's just a, he's a remarkable manager. Um, his record is second to none. Don't think, I don't think we talked about maybe the Kilkenny team maybe being surpassed that that team of ten years ago, but I don't think Brian Cody's uh, record will ever be surpassed anyway. That's that's one free ages. Um, but look, uh, his longevity, I suppose, and just kind of adapting as Hurling has changed, how he's been able to kind of adapt these teams as well. Um, sometimes this year we kind of spoke about maybe they're a bit slow to do that, but in fairness, them they have, you know, they, he he got a Kilkenny team that nobody. People respected, but nobody really rated as you know top two in the country. Got them to you know within a whisker, winning All Ireland. So that was a massive achievement to him and his management team as well. And just with the way the Munster and Leinster championships are structured, you'd imagine they're going to be in the knockout stages again next year. And once they get to the knockout stages, they're just a different animal. Like so, um, they're going to be there. They're going to be around. And again, um, uh, it was Derek. McGrath this year who said the team that beat Waterford will be walking up the steps but generally it's the team that if anyone beats Kilkenny it's the team that beats Kilkenny usually walk up the steps so he might revise that comment for next year I think But it was, it was kind of correct uh, Derek McGrath if he said a team that beats Waterford will be uh, collecting the cup he'd have, been, uh, he'd have been absolutely spot on rather than the team but well, on Cody to be yeah I suppose you, don't, you don't know what uh, you don't know it's hard to read into him like but kind of be strange it would be a strange landscape like you're going like you're 1998 like you're <laughs> which is crazy like like ne- next year like Cody will be there right the the Offaly team from 1998 the Jubilee team will be, be paraded there and then Co- <laughs> Cody came in like at the at the end of that 98 season so like that's like I, I like it last year like he's been criticised the last couple of years right like the kind of rumours of discontent in, in, in Kilkenny and um, you know and you know, obviously, people that had worked under him before, um, w- you know, would have been pushing back on that, saying that, that people know rightly question him with his record, which is true. And then, um, but it'd be kind of strange, I think, like because they they finished on an up on an upward curve after an indifferent um, an indifferent um, round robin in Leinster, even though they did win Leinster. They had a you know, you'd say they were patchy, like, um, but semi final and the final they were. There, their two best performances of the year. And so they finished on an upward curve where I would say um, Kilkenny fans are coming away from that with optimism. You know, they, they probably, I, I'd say they probably even themselves probably weren't fancying it going into that um, Leinster final against Galway after having lost to Wexford. Semi-final then, Claire, I, I don't know if, you know, your average Kilkenny fan were, because it, it just, it looked like Munster were, and Clare were ahead of them at that point and finished on a very high note. So, it would be maybe he thinks it's the right time to go to him, but um, I don't know. I suppose it'll be ultimately up to Cody, but the back of his head, he'll be thinking, Can he win all Ireland with his team? And he's looking at um, at the last day there with Limerick, uh, and they were close enough. Um, so I suppose we, ultimately for him, it'll come down to whether he thinks he's got it, he can you know raise it another level again that they, that they could actually get an Ireland out of it. It's hard to know. Like the, the flip side of that is that. 
I don't know, there was a lot of criticism against him uh, with the what went down with Henry with the, the handshake as well. And um, you know, uh he, there's a lot of media speculation on that and uh, people commenting, you know, this, that and the other against him. And I don't know, maybe maybe that's Maybe just that that could be the the straw that breaks the camel's back, and maybe he decides to go this year. But I suppose we'll wait and see what comes out for news from Kenny on that on that um on that front. But if you're saying that they're preparing preparing a statement, I I hope that they're not going to the um um the the statement writer who wrote the um the Tip County Board well, statement. I don't think it's anything like that. I think it's, no. it was something like they're waiting for Brian Cody. It's it just sounded like everywhere. Uh, I can't remember. Who, I think it was in the Examiner already yesterday, but uh. No, it just kind of looked like that change was about to happen. But it would probably would be a good time for him to bow because he could say, oh, you've taken Kilkenny to within a score of our Ireland champion. So whoever, if somebody can improve him a bit more, you know, I've yeah. taken them to this level. All they need is a bit more improvement. Um, but I w- you'd wonder, would it be like um, Manchester United when Ferguson left with the dominoes all fall when Cody goes? It's hard to know, but it'd be, it'd be quite like, we saw there what happened with Tip, right, when... Um, um, Liam Cahill obviously, you know, was committing to the second year auditor, and then um, you know, the, the vacancy comes up there. Um, the vacancy comes up there in Tipperary, and uh, he's lo and behold, he's gone from water and he's in there with Tipperary. But I, I like be interesting to know what, like, if Cody did go, like, where does that leave Shefflin? <laughs> you know, I, I know he's he has his term up in Galway, but um, he, I would imagine, the Kilkenny, like. Like nobody's ever going to repeat um, Cody's longevity, but like if you're looking at it from Henry, right? Let's just say I don't know someone does come in, and, and like if the, if the if the Kilkenny job comes becomes available, and um, Henry's going to want that job, and you know, he, like if you're playing devil's advocate here, he, say somebody did come in and do a Cody like job with Kilkenny, then that would mean then the Kilkenny job wouldn't become available again for another 25, <laughs> 25 years for Henry. Do you know what I mean? So maybe like if it does come available, it'd be interesting to see what happens in Galway. Yeah, all indications up here is that Henry is firmly committed to Galway after the season just had. He's impressed with what he's seen and year two of the third contract he's going to commit to, I would say. Um, who would want this job? The poison chalice, the Alex Ferguson kind of conundrum here. Who would be the David Moyes to step in? You know, it's a, it's a massive David, legacy. David it's a massive to... pressure to be put on to someone to kind of start delivering again, like what Brian Cody has achieved in his managerial career. I think is a complete poison chalice. Whoever takes it on, uh, first up. Yeah, it's very like, and you're and you're talking like it's eight years since Kilkenny won in Ireland now, so it'll be nine years um, um, next year, or and. Um, you know, the, yeah, you're right. Like, yeah, you're coming in there, fellas. That's one. That's been 17 All Ireland finals. It's, it's a, it's a level of success that you're, you're, you're never going to see repeated in any sport again. So you're correct there. Like, yeah, it, it, it is. It, it's similar to following in Ferguson's footsteps, alright. If you compare it to the, to the soccer, like, yeah, and, um, yeah, no, no easy, no easy shoes to fill there for sure. Absolutely. Suppose, boys, can we, um. Get reflections on the year, maybe team of the year, uh, from all of you. Maybe we'll start with James, one to fifteen. Yeah, the uh, well, goalkeepers is it's between the two goalkeepers for me that were uh, in the finals, um, and uh, a very difficult one to to choose on this one because um, Murphy's probably a bit more spectacular with uh, some of the saves that he's made, but um, 
I, I'm looking just there really on it's uh, like Quaid has been unbelievably consistent. Um, couldn't do anything really for the for the two goals that um, they conceded. Nor could Murphy for um, the Hegarty one. Um, I I I would just I think I just edge it. Well, Eddie won it, and just his because I think his his pockets. Um, it's just distribution really sets um, Limerick in motion, and uh, just I, I think really just just on. I slightly edge it to to Quaid for me. He'd he'd be my um uh, my pick for for goalkeeper. Um, and then uh, full back line. Then um, like um, I think I think Hugh Lawler was very good for um Kenny Trous and was good again the last day. Like and he had did a good job in Gillan, uh, full back there. Uh, I think I'd have him in there. I'd. Uh, at cornerback, I certainly have Barry Nash in there. I think he, he was um, like ultra consistent all year, been excellent all year, and one of the one of the standout performers. And then um, an honourable mention, I suppose, to Mikey Butler, the uh, cornerback as well. But I I think I plump for um, Sean Finn there, so I, I'd have um, uh, two limit cornerbacks and and Kenny Man at fullback. Um, and in the halfback line. Um, I like Hannon the last day. I just thought was excellent um, at, at centre back and just so composed. I I think centre back. I think for me, um, uh, Dermot Burns uh, wing back is a no brainer. And I think for me, actually Burns would be hurler the year. I just thought he's 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 just so consistent um, throughout the year and another massive performance again the last day. And um, uh, I was struggling then on the last on the la- like. I thought Conan was very um, good for Clare when he moved back in there. Um, and I, but equally so, I thought that um, Park Manion for Galway was was, was very good. Um, I'm just going to give it. I I, I just going to give the because he obviously was missing the semi final uh, through injury. Conan, but I think uh, his performances throughout Munster were just outstanding. I thought like, and I, I I'm going to go for um, Hannon with um, I, even though like you're kind of. Rejigging it around a little bit there, but I, I'm going to stick Conlon on the wing with with Burns. Um, midfield then for me, um, that's probably the one area actually that Limerick probably didn't have an outstanding, not that they had a bad year, they didn't probably have an outstanding year in midfield. Um, but I thought Adrian Mullen for Kenny was um, was very good in the last couple of games. I I, I think I I I'd plumb for um, Adrian Mullen in there, and um, uh, I I think in uh, I thought that uh, David Fitzgerald was excellent for 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 Clare, uh, and you know a lot of people are probably going to overlook um, what Clare did um, at the back of what um, at that semi final. But I, I I think they lit up the championship monster, so I'm going to go, I'm going to stick him in there. Um, half half forward line for me then is um, I got to go with uh, obviously Hagerty. It's uh, that's a no brainer there, uh, and. Um, the, Gonna dig it around a little bit here. You could you could put um, uh, obviously Kyle Hayes there, but I'm gonna go with TJ Reid, and I think after Conor Lehan was also excellent for Cork, but they went out a bit early, and uh, I'm gonna uh, put Shane O'Donnell then also there as well for me. So Hegarty, Reid, and O'Donnell in the half forward line, and I'm gonna move then, even though um, I'm gonna move uh, um, Kyle Hayes then into full forward line, and Tony Kelly, yeah, he had a bad semi final, but he was on for hurler of the year up until that semi-final and he was like some of the performances in Munster were just like off the charts 
has to be there. And um, and Galan for me then as well. It'll be uh, in that full forward line, the last member. Lovely. Uh, Rory? Yeah, so I'll, I'll just name the team and Mark, if you have any uh, questions about the team, you can ask them afterwards or any glaring omissions, right? So I go uh, Nicky Quaden Golds, um, Finn, Hugh Lawler, and Ash, Burns, Conlon, and Mannion. So there was a bit of controversy. I went for Conlon ahead of Hannon for the reasons James had him in there for. Um, Tony Kelly and Mullen midfield. I put Tony Kelly midfield to make space for more forward. So I kind of rejigged <laughs> things around. Um, Hegarty, TJ Reid, Shane O'Donnell, and Galan, Flanagan, and Connor Whelan. So it was between Flanagan and Hayes for me. And I just thought, okay, Flanagan hadn't the greatest final, but he was superb there too. Especially the Munster final was outstanding. So that was a flip of a coin, really, between the two of them. And same with Conlon and, and Hannah. I just thought like Conlon was immense for Clare, and we could just see. I suppose in the semi-final, it, it just showed what a loss he was that seemed fell apart really without him. Connor Whelan um, is one actually yeah, that um, he, he he was outstanding as well. I, I forgot yeah. really, like, and he was one. You know, I look at that Cork game when Gollier aren't great in that Cork game, and it, like I know that Cork left a lot of scores behind him, but he was the one that was really driving Gollier forward that day. Like, and you know, on the day the same. Uh, and he was excellent throughout. Like, yeah, he, you could make a very strong case for him, right? So I like what you've done there. Yeah, you've you've um, eliminated Kelly from the forward, so we got him in the team to give you another slot. Like, yeah. So. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> well, it's true what you said. Like midfield, there was gaps midfield this year. I think so. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, now, um, so that means I don't have David Fitzgerald on, but uh, actually, I thought I was going to get sick for having three Claremont, but James, you had four, so I don't feel so bad now. <laughs> very welcome, to Six Mile Bridge, anytime, James. Well, care. <laughs> Um, I, I don't think like I like you, people are kind of overlooking what Claire did uh, on the back of that semi-final, right? Um, like they, they were just they were like they were unbelievable in Munster, and um, I don't think that can be overlooked. Like the um, some of those games in, in Munster were, were like to perform. Like even think of, I know like Waterford were whatever was going on in Waterford. Like was like that last game they played against Waterford they, they, they rested players right and they and they went out there and they absolutely blew them out of the water and like you can you can say whatever you want about what was going on in Waterford at the time but Waterford had to get a result in that game so like and Waterford were the team that you know I fell into the trap at Waterford before the championship thinking that um, you know if Limerick weren't going to win the All-Ireland the Waterford might I thought they were the, look, looked the the most likely so I just think you I, I, I think it's harsh and clear to um, to uh, blew out their season on the back of you know a systems failure um, against Kilkenny so um, that's what kind of my thinking on us really I suppose James one way of looking at it as well is Clare only lost one match in 70 minutes this year Kilkenny lost three well that's it as well like yeah yeah <laughs> like you'd well it's just the nature of these things as well isn't it that the, the final ultimately has the um, has yeah, the ultimate yeah. say and, and how these teams are picked but like if you like it's and I know like Kilkenny did finish with the two best performances of the year, but if you were if you were picking your team off the back of the Leinster final, I, I don't know, yeah, you'd be looking at like Kilkenny were very patchy up to that point. So um um like Clare were I don't know, like like Clare were even though I know Kilkenny got like did like hammered them in the semi-final, but Clare were more consistent uh, in their games uh, over the, the, if you take the championship as a whole, but it's just that they had a complete systems failure in, the, in their last game. So that's what people are going to probably take home for the year with them. But uh, that's unfortunate for them. But um, like I said, I, I think it's harsh to uh, overlook what they did in Munster in the back of that. 
Mm. And for her of the year, actually, I forgot to mention, Mark. I suppose, obviously, like before the final, you wouldn't have really put an old, uh, Hegarty ahead. As we said last week, he had been pre- very good for Limerick, but he hadn't been, you know, as outstanding as he had been in the previous couple of championships. But uh, Or even TJ Reid was just getting stronger as championship went on. But after the final, like they both of them really threw their head into the ring for hurler of the year. But for consistency throughout, I kind of, for me, it was between um, Burns and, and Barry Nash. And I just went with, with Barry Nash. I know in the final, he didn't get in as much ball as others, but I just thought he's kind of like the complete all-around hurler. He contributes with scores, his pace, his delivery as well. Like Limerick were, were able to do this thing in a, a, at a short puck out where they obviously had to work to a tee where Barry Nash was the one taking the ball off the half-back at pace and delivering to the full forward line. And we spoke there about Flanagan and Galan doing so much damage in previous games. I'd love to see how many of the scores they got came directly off of Barry Nash delivery because he's striking a superb. He's uh, yeah, he's just become and he's really like become the real modern cornerback now. And um, that you know before you had a cornerback there who if you didn't touch the ball and his man didn't score, he'd done a great job. But Barry Nash just has kind of blown that out of the water now. What is expected of, of a modern cornerback? So for yeah, me, yeah. He, and again as as James was saying, consistency throughout all games. Uh, I can't really remember Barry Nash putting foot wrong in the championship, to be honest. He had the second. I was, I was that like he had the second most uh, possessions in the, uh, you know, after um, um, Hegarty uh, and the match was, yeah. Day okay, so that's good, because it's not something you would have noticed watching it. Like, no, it's know. not like yeah, yeah. So I saw that stat like he, he had something like um, so Hegarty had twenty three, I think, and uh, I think um, I, I saw where um, Nash had thirteen or fourteen, maybe, which is like that's a t- <laughs> Yeah. From it as well, like you know, but mm. I, I, it's very, very close between the two. But and like when was the last time that um, a defender got uh, like normally, obviously, it's the it's your midfielders and your your kind of marquee forwards that uh, get in there. But mm. just Burns for me, I just thought, I like, I just thought he was so consistent throughout. And like again, the last day, I thought he was excellent for them as well. And then like ice cool on the freeze as well when 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 Limerick needs him, uh, you know. So, so I, I that's why I'd be giving it to. Yeah. yeah, I suppose I have to put my team of the year in the public domain. I suppose I'm not really kind of deviating too much here. Nicky Quaid and go for me. I think the puck out strategy differentiates himself from all others. I think he's a class apart there and showed last Sunday. Sean Finn, I'm going to give a notable mention here to fullback that doesn't get the airplay or the TV, but Tommy Doyle from Westmead. Again, has had an absolute standout year for Westmead. I'm thinking of that Wexford game, that draw on Mullingar. Tommy Doyle produced I thought one of the best fullback performances of the year he's not going to get the all-star but I think he he would be my notable fullback here over Hugh Lawler um I think Barry Nash I think for me here Rory I agree with you I think he should be a hurler of the year candidate or win it I think he's revolutionized the cornerback position and uh, Derek Burns five yeah I was torn between Declan Hannon John Condon I've slightly edged to Hannon just based on the All-Ireland final would not be surprised if John Conlon gets it though. I think he's been a huge factor for Clare this year. Finton Burke from Galway. I think his stock value has rose, risen substantially after Gerald Hegarty's All Ireland final performance. I think he did, didn't put a foot wrong for Galway this year. He's provided an awful lot of attacking with for Henry Shefflin's side, sideline cuts, and defensively very tight. So I'd go with Finton Burke from St. Thomas's. Yeah, the midfield, Lee Chin have kind of put in here with Tony Kelly. Uh, in midfield, I think you just have to accommodate these two guys. They're class players. I think Tony Kelly was just outstanding in the Monster Championship. You can argue all you want about the semi-final, but I mean, that's 
you know, one of those ESPN sports moments, the Munster final, the, the sideline cut, that alone should guarantee him a kind of a all-star. I suppose going into 10, 11, 12, Gerald Hegarty for me, I'm going to go Connor Cooney here. And the reason I say that is the, the mantra left by Joe Canning. Someone had to kind of lead the line here. And I also have Connor Whelan in this lineup as well. But I thought Connor Cooney particularly was key component here for Galway, particularly from a half-forward line perspective. Scored 60-plus points for Galway during the championship campaign. Desi Hutchinson from Waterford. I think it would be remiss of us not to mention Waterford here in some shape or form. The Alliance Hurling League, their first title in how many years, that looked like a dominant force here. And Desi Hutchinson had a magnificent start of the year with Barry Gunner, continued to form in the Alliance Hurling League final against Cork. So I'll go with him. Jason, or Jason Galan, Aaron Galan, Sorry, Jason, but Aaron Galan for me uh, will be 13, TJ Reid, MNs at 14, and Conor Whelan from Canvara at 15. So, Kieran, uh, what was your uh, selection? Okay, so for my team of the year, um, starting in goals, uh, I do think the two goalkeepers that lined out last Sunday in All Ireland were the best two goalkeepers in the country at present. Um, Nicky Quaid and Owen Murphy, two unbelievable shot stoppers, but for me, uh, my number one is Nicky Quaid. Uh, I just think his distribution of the ball, um, you know, he's an integral part of the Limerick team, and I think he's um, he's underrated. I think uh, you know he's so cool in the ball and stick passes, just unbelievable to, to hand. And I do think if if Owen Murphy was in that Limerick setup and being trained the same way, he you know I think he would be producing the same results. So I think it all just comes down to coaching, but I think Nicky Quaid is. Um, this year is my, my goalkeeper all-star. Um, full-back line, I'm going to go with Barry Nash. You know, for a guy who's not your, you know, corner back, to, to slot back there from from playing at all positions in the forward corner, forward, wing forward. Um, you know, I think he's really made it his own you know, I heard him interview the other night and he said, you know, he gets a lot of help from Mike Casey and Sean Finn and that allows him to get far. But I, I just, you know, I just think he's, last year he had a very good year, but I think this year he's just been better again. And I think I have to recognise that. Um, and Barry Nash is first on the full-back line for me. Full-back, I think Hugh Lawler. I think, um, I think he's had an unbelievable year this year. You know, you see the men he's been up against, um, Conor Whelan, you know, he kept him very, very quiet when he played against him in the final. And same for Peter Duggan when, when they made Clare. And and you could say the same, I know Galan scored three points off him, but, uh, you know, Galan has done a lot more on full-backs this year. So I think for me, Hugh Lawler, Kenny, full-back. Last position, um, might raise a few eyebrows for some, but you know, I don't, I don't like Sean Finn to me is, is the best fullback in the country, and you know, he just goes about his business so quietly, there's no, never any fuss. But I think this year, I think for a young guy stepping in, I think Mikey Butler Kenny takes my last spot. You know, you look at the jobs he's been tasked with this year, and I think it shows the, the respect and the, and the trust that Cody has in him, like to um, Mark Cahill Mannion and and Tony Kelly, you know, two of the best forwards in the game, and you know to hold them so well. And I think for that, for that, 
for me, I think Mikey Butler, cornerback. Starting on the half back line, uh, I think it's a probably the one name that will be on everyone's team of the year. And Dermot Burns, you know, he's been exceptional uh, nominee for her of the year and probably will take it. Um, 36 points from play, just rock solid, you know, he's just a top defender. And you know, as I said, he'll be on everyone's team of the year and a uh, great year for Dermot. Um, centre back. I think for me, this guy is playing his best hurling, uh, Declan Hallam from Limerick. Um, he's just so calm, so cool on the ball. You know, you just, why watch him when he's picking it up in a rock or getting out of, out of trouble and he's just so calm and, you know, picks it so easily. And, you know, goal without saying his distribution of the ball for, for Limerick. And I think, you know, I, if he wasn't there, you'd probably see a different Limerick team. And I think other guys who probably had good years were Conlon for, for Clare. I think if Wexford had beat Clare, that Damien Reck would definitely have to go into the reckoning because I think he's been definitely Wexford's best player and um, had, had a great year centre-back for Wexford. Uh, last position in the half-back landing on the goal for Park Mannion. You know, this guy, is just you know what you're going to get from him. And, I think he's had an unbelievable year for Galway and uh, you know he's a real leader back there, you know. I know they have Dolly Burke, Dolly Burke and McInerney, but you know, he's um real tigerish and you know, he's just a top class defender. Um midfield for me, um gonna go with Adrian Mullen who definitely would have had been criticised up to this year. Look, he's a young player, he's developing, and I think he's really made um, midfield his own this year for the Kenny. You know, really good performances. Um, I think he had three points this weekend, five points the week before, you know, so getting on the scoreboard, but really tough guy. And beside him, I have David Fitzgerald for Clare. You know, the, what a turnaround for this guy to go from the bench last year to starting player and definitely um, an all star nominee. Uh, Potential All Star uh, this year is a testament to how good a year he's had. He's been unbelievable for Clare. Um, my half Ireland, I think for me, Grohl Hegarty, uh, you know, his final the final performance aside, I think uh, I've documented it or I've said it a few times this year that, like, every, I think especially since Keane Lynch has been injured, I think everything has gone through Grohl Hegarty to work rate. He's tackling, um, he's scoring. It's you know he, I think he's just getting better and better it's for such a big man. The skill he has, um, I I he just think he has to be there. In beside him, um, Kyle Hayes. I think he, he probably struggled earlier in the year with injury, but playing him in the full forward line where he, he just didn't look comfortable. I think he needs a bit of ground in front of him, and you know I think definitely the last few games. Uh, his best game was against Galway. I think really, without his that day, I don't think Limerick would have overcome Galway. And you know, another great performance to begin four points from play, and that's for me centre forward Kyle Hayes. The last position, um, it was a real toss up between two players. Um, one was a young guy, um, Tom Monaghan from Galway. Thought he had an exceptional year. Real big man. Real you know real threat. Uh, the other Shane O'Donnell, you know, came back into the team, you know, 
like he'd been transplanted, you know, just bulked up. Uh, in wing forward, just the work rate, the, the will, and even I think Clare were very poor against the Kenny in the Ireland semi final. I think Shane O'Donnell was one of them warriors who just didn't give up. But I think of the two, I would have to give it to Shane O'Donnell. I think he's had a great year, and uh, you know, it's good to see him back hurling again. And my, my full forward line. Uh, Aaron Galan, you know, he's been exceptional this year. Um, top of the scoring charts from play, uh, real, real threat, especially in the air. You know, a real handful for for defenders. Um, I think he's for some uh, harder of the year nominee, and uh, I think he'll be very, very close. Full forward, I have uh, TJ Reid. I think this guy is just, you know, albeit he's not scoring as much in play, but I think he's just involved in everything going forward for Kenny. I said that earlier. Um, really, really good year. Such a threat in the air, you know, such vision and, um, you know, creativity. Just to see passes where some other players mightn't see him. And as I said earlier, I think, you know, when T did a step away, you know, how will you Kenny cope without him? For the minutes, you know, great year I think for TJ. And uh for me, definitely the full forward in the team of the year. And last position again was a kind of a toss up between the Galway man and the Clareman. Um firstly Tony Kelly, uh, you know, what can you say? Pound for pound, probably the best hurler in the in the country. Um mean so much to this Clare team and I, 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 you know a lot of synopsis will go into Clare over the next couple of weeks but I think you know Wexford and Kilkenny have shown to play Clare you need to mark Kelly and I'm not sure if that was the cause of the downfall but you know I think, I think it's a lot of it like Kelly is involved in so much he's just he's a wizard with a hurl in his hand and um I'll be at the last two games where he was poor, but I think up to the, the Munster final, uh, uh, he was incredible. Especially in the Munster final that day, he was just, he was everywhere. Um, the other guy was, you know, another guy who was integral to the team, Conor Whelan. I think, uh, you know, he's such a strong, physical, you know, really hard to beat him low or high. And for Galway, I think, he needs to take for Galway to take, you know, I think back to the car game where he probably only got three balls but scored one two from, from impossible angles and you know, two players are integral to their teams, but I, I think just based on the monster final performance I'm gonna to give to Tony Kelly. Um, you know, he was incredible that day. So that's my uh hurling team of the year and I think for hurling of the year for me I, look, a lot of people are going to say Damon Burns, but I think Gillan. I think Gillan has been, you know, a real threat for every fullback or cornerback this year. And I think from a Limerick point of view, when missing Peter Casey was a huge, huge negative for Limerick, and I think Gillan really stepped up this year uh, and provided a good for us when we needed. It. So for me, my my hurler of the year to Gillan, and for a young hurler of the year, there's there's a choice. You know, there's Mikey Butler. Kieran Joyce from Cork, Cahill O'Neill from Limerick, you know, all really, really good players. And, you know, for, I think for me, I would give it to Mikey Butler. Um, but, you know, either three would be deserving of the prize.
so that's highs and lows for the year. Rory, what's your highs and lows for the season? Just end it. Yeah, I suppose um, from a, I suppose a, a Clare perspective, it was just how well Clare performed in Munster. Um, again, like Limerick, there was a lot of doubts about them coming out of the league um, because Clare and Limerick, as I remember, they only both had a win over Offaly in the league and everyone was talking about, you know, um, who, who the top three coming out of Munster were and very few had Clare in their top three and they just performed really well, as James said. Uh, kind of, you know... Uh, you know, it was a team to follow for the for the year. They were the unexpected team and heard really well. We chained O'Donnell back in form. Tony Kelly producing great performances, and the Munster final then was like that epic game. You know, um, it was that Munster final that you will remember for years and years. And we're going to be comparing other Munster finals to this one for a long time. So for me, the standout moment was that game and a, a wet, drizzly, misty day down in Turles and just you know warmed up by the crack and hurling that was produced by both teams and just the fire and intensity and controversy even you can't have a good final without controversy after it either there was plenty of that too so yeah that was my high of the year my low of the year was the I suppose kind of an off the field incident was the Shefflin and Cody it was just disappointing to see you know two great Kilkenny men who had done so much for Kilkenny and you know animosity between them and I didn't think the timing was very good with you know the tough year Henry has had and so that was my low point. Um, it's just a pity to see that go on. But yeah, um, they're, they're my highs and lows. Um, newcomer of the year or something you mentioned earlier as well, maybe. And um, I suppose like there was plenty of guys. Um, Mikey Butler was probably like for Cody to have such faith in Mikey Butler to put American Cahill Mannion and did a great job in him. And then Tony Kelly just shows what he thinks of him. Um, then I suppose in Munster you had Kieran Joyce in Cork outstanding like to to put in a newcomer at six and for him to be you know so competent there and uh, kind of brought Cork gave a bit of shape to Cork again after you know the the performance against Limerick in the first round and I suppose even from a clear point of view even though he he only had cameo performances Shane Meehan as well has showed that and Mark Rogers I know Mark Rogers played a bit last year with Clare so he's not quite a newcomer but um, they kind of give hope for for the future for Clare as well. Perfect, Rory. James, your highs and lows? Well, high, high for me, um, even though it turned out to be a low <laughs> as the game progressed, was um, after the last couple of years with COVID, uh, just the atmosphere there that was in Parky Creeve before uh, as um, the ball was about to be thrown in before Limerick and Cork, right? I was, it, was, it was fervent there. It was, uh, you know, we've been kind of starved to that the last couple of years of COVID. Um, I thought... Uh, t- Tony Kelly's sideline cut. Um, I just think that that's arguably mo- moment of the year. Really, um, just it was like like the to take that on, and um, you know, um, you're facing in to, like I just thought it was an unbelievable, um, unbelievable score and an unbelievable that showed unbelievable um, balls really to take that on and, and to and to have the execution then to um, to deliver on it. Uh, that, that's probably the high point for me. Um, Low points as well. I agree with uh, Rory on that. Actually, that um, uh, that was very unfortunate to see uh, the whole um, uh, Shefflin and Cody handshake and uh, how it all played out. As Rory rightly pointed out, after the tough year that Henry's had, and um, the other low point for me then would be, uh, I just thought that um, uh, some of the lower, um, you know, the some of the teams like your Westmeads, your Antrims, your Kerry, the the you know, teams are trying to break into the top tier. I thought they were kind of treated um, uh, just a, li- a little bit, um, 
you know, like, like kind of like castaways really by the by top brass in GEA. We saw, you know, for, for Westmead, you know, an unbelievable um, result for Westmead was straw against Wexford, and sure, then um, nobody saw it like because then um, the camera work was absolutely um, um, pathetic at it, and then you're looking then at, um, you know, if they're 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 promoting the the, the Talton Cup, and you're looking there, what's going on in the in, in the you know, in Joe McDonough, and I just thought, like, you know, you, you there's a lot that they got wrong with that, really, with the scheduling. To, um, you know, you had the whole, the whole fiasco then with Kerry, if they, you know, if they did win it, that they'd have to go into a playoff, and you're not going straight into into Munster. And then thirdly, with that as well, was um, the launch, like, after both teams had played in the in the final, um, they're going in then to, um, you know, preliminary qualifier match. You know, which is knockout. The All Ireland Championship has started, and just launched the championship, and um, you don't have either um, Kerry or Antrim represented. Which I just don't think it's a good look for the GAA. So that's one of the low points for me. I think my low point uh, of the year, and it's hard to be critical because I think it's been a very good Ireland Championship. Um, we've had some great games, but in both Round Robin, Leinster, and Munster, and and into the All Ireland series, and I think. The negative for me is that I think it's just all over too early. Um, you know, mid July, no one associates with our Ireland final. You know, families have holidays booked, and I just don't think it's a good time. I think, I think we're a month too early, and I think if if the GA could look at maybe second or third week in August might be better. I still think that it allows time to the clubs. To play, I think generally September, end of, you know, end of August, September, October are, are good months in Ireland, and uh, I think for me it's just over way too early. Regarding the high points, you know, there's so many. You know, I suppose you look back at individual games. I think Damien Drek for Wexford against Kilkenny, he's he stop on the on his belly, picks up the ball. You know. I think Tony Kelly's sideline against Limerick in the Munster final to level the game, you know, that'll be watched back for years to come. But I think I'm going to be selfish in this one, and I think the high point for me is not just the All-Ireland win for Limerick, but I think how the year has gone for Limerick, you know. Um, there's been so many different challenges for the team. I suppose, it's, you know, the league wasn't, um, probably wasn't a good league, be it planned or not, I don't know, but... You know, there's a lot of negativity here on the team during the league and um, pundits saying that, the, you know, they'd run their course and uh, their reign was over. But, you know, and that to add to the injuries, you know, at different stages, I think Peter Casey losing the All-Ireland final last year was a huge loss. You know, Kyle Hayes at different stages and then, you know, to lose Lynch in the water for game. Like, I think most teams to, to lose their main man and to go on to win in Ireland, I think it's just a huge achievement. Um, you know, if you compare that to Tony Kelly of Clare or, or Connor Whelan in Galway and, and TJ Reid and Kenny, you know, how would these teams survive without the main men? And I think it's a testament to probably how good the Limerick team and, and panel is, but, you know, to survive the, I suppose, looking back, definitely the, the Clare game in the Munster final, the Galway game in the semi-final, and obviously Kenny in the final. You know, all three teams threw everything they had at Limerick in, in the, on them three days, and for them to come out on top, and, you know, to do it without any panic, you know, and, you know, I suppose for me, I grew up thinking I'd never see Limerick win All-Ireland, and 
you know, it's a roller coaster time for us as Limerick fans, but, you know, I've gone from thinking I'd never see an All Ireland win to probably witnessing one of the best teams, go down in history as one of the best teams ever to play Ireland. For myself, obviously, Limerick fan, delighted with the three in a row, but I'm thinking more on the underage finals that happened this year. Uh, the minor, the emergence of Offaly in the minors. Rory, you'd called it out from February that this was a side to really look out for. And they certainly delivered throughout the summer. I think they galvanised the county in Offaly. They were very unfortunate in terms of how the final went against Tipperary late on. But I think it's, with Leo Connor in charge of that setup, it's you're seeing the foundations of a very good resurgent programme in Offaly, which is great to see. I suppose the under-20 rule for me was a low point, particularly in thinking about Cahill O'Neill here on a Ireland final against Kilkenny. One game and he was out. And let's bear in mind, Rory, hate to remind you, against Clare, he was instrumental in getting Limerick a result against Clare. You think, from a Clare perspective, what might have been, particularly in that under-20 campaign. So I think that rule has to be looked at in some shape or form. For me, administration-wise, needs to be better from the GAHQ. I think of the All-Ireland build-up on the Sunday, the Jubilee teams of Clare and Wexford, and with a stadium half empty, to acknowledge heroes from the 90s. Those are two iconic teams, just given the All-Ireland breakthroughs, and for not a full house to really kind of acknowledge and appreciate the efforts of these guys 25 years on, I thought it was a little bit disrespectful. The the match programme, the Clare All-Ireland uh, Roll of honour, Gaff, Rory. Uh, wiped off, wiped off. The, <laughs> well, gone. They're gone, Rory. You left to start again. Uh, it took us 81 years. seven euro for a match programme. Yeah. Yeah. Right seven there. euro for a match programme. You know, you might as well yeah, editorially yeah. review it before you actually release yeah. it. And pretty, that, pretty, that would be a disgrace. That's, that's basic stuff, really. Isn't it? I suppose I know 80, another 81 years and they wiped it out in like an instant. Yeah. Another low point I thought of as well was. Um, I, I, I forgot about it until the, the second was there was Hawkeye, which re- really, um, I mean, that's, I don't know, like, um, right, it's back up and running, but uh, how much faith you have in it, like, it's, it's just really, um, it's, that's really, really, you'd be questioning it, wouldn't you? Like, um, I know it's like, obviously, it's, it's, uh, it's on the football side of things, but the technologies and use from both codes, and then, um, yeah, I thought that's, a, that's not, not very clever for the GA either. And, and to balance things, I suppose, as well, just to finish with a high point, maybe, and also from Leinster was everyone, you know, we've been raving about the Munster Championship. And I suppose we spent, you know, I don't know, definitely 70 percent of our time talking about Munster Championship games here because they, that's where the action was. But then we had this great game of Wexford and Kilkenny and Nolan Park where Wexford like really kind of turned their championship around. And, you know, uh, we. we we had that great piece of defending from wrecking the goal line and some of the scores Wexford got that day. It was huge for them to beat Kilkenny in Nolan Park. And that was another great moment in the championship. And uh, was, you know, it, it really kind of, I suppose, in a way, probably woke Kilkenny up a bit too. And Kilkenny were, were far better after that. And that was their, you know, but even on the day, they, like Wexford had, every, had an answer for them in nearly every department. It was just a, a super game of hurling. And um, yeah, that was the high point really from the Leinster Championship. It kind of showcases as well, doesn't it, the, the success of the round robin in terms of you're playing your games at your county grounds. Like, um, had that game been in, in Crow Park, you know, like, obviously the, the different dynamics in Crow Park where you need, like, you need a uh, 50, 60,000 crowd for it to be at least, you know, for, otherwise, like, you're talking 30, 40 there. 
kind of gets lost a little bit, you know. And I suppose that's this in, in similar vein as well. You were you touched on it, Mark, with the um the minor championship that uh, just that scene, like um, you know, the um the Leinster final and uh, and the the All Ireland final like packed to the rafters and it just uh, you know, epic epic it looked epic on TV, you know. But speaking of teams having home advantage, James, I'm surprised you didn't mention that Cork give up theirs to play Clare this year. <laughs> yeah, they're like, they won't be doing that again. They won't be doing that again. I'd say, yeah, that's um, yeah, that, like I'd say if you were the um the, the the other, I'd only just like we're, we're getting into things now, but the other low point as well really would be that statement by the Tipperary County Board for me on um, on Colin Bonner. I just thought it was um, I thought it was in poor taste. Indeed. I suppose Liam Cal and Terrence guys, but what, what's your general feelings on that? Um I suppose my feeling on it is like for me the jury is out in Liam Cal. Like people are, are portraying him as some sort of a, a genius here. Okay, he did a great job with the tip under twenties when one year they got hammered by Cork in the Monster Finaling. So he turned them around in a few in what was it, four or five weeks to beat Cork that same team in the final again. But like with Waterford, he, like you can't say he doesn't have talent at his disposal with Waterford. And now I suppose the thing is you have a few kind of mavericks in terms of, you know, Austin Gleason and just trying to get a team out of them. And okay, winning a national league, but we kind of saw how how seriously the likes of Claire Limerick, you know, took the league this year. Galway as well were one day kind of trying, the next day, you know, so you'd have to like put question marks over the value of the National Hurling League this year. And just their performances in the Munster Championship were so off that, uh, you know, I, I for me anyway, he hasn't proven himself. No. He, he 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 could transpire to be the greatest temporary manager. It could happen yet, but I don't see him yet as being this. You know, it's not like you're putting in Brian Cody and or somebody like that over the team. And the other thing is, if it fails with Liam Cal, where do they go from here? Because they haven't treated Bonner with any respect, and um, given him just the one year when he, we knew he was doing a transition job. And in fairness, the likes of Jar Brown came in, Mark Hill, they all look like you know they have now got a good championship under their belts and showed flashes of you know real talent and I, uh, so it looked like tip were going to be you know that this was a low point and they're going to be progressing up anyway um but now you know change managers more upheaval um yeah look i as i said it could turn out to be a great move for Tipperary, but if they go and lose all four games next year where did it go from there then that's a very good point i like like uh i don't know what they'll do if they, in that scenario because um like uh you know, the, the, they're almost like he's coming in like the Messiah, right? You're right in that. Like, you know, I now I would rate him highly, but um, I, I, I like I, I think ultimately he did a good. I know like it finished awfully at Waterford, but ultimately I think he did a good job. You have to remember when he came in, like Waterford were were in a des, desperate rabble, like, and you know he had them competing. You know they've got got a win over Kilkenny, which they you know um, and they were like got into Northern final. Um, uh, or in final semi final, and then this year, like it imploded for whatever reason. But um, the one thing that kind of sticks in my kind of throat about it is that he kind of he committed to the Waterford, like Waterford setup, and I just think the manner in which he's left is uh, doesn't, yeah, it's not not leaving. Like it's kind of given, kind of given the impression that when to go and get stuff, he, like he's decided that that's it, I'm out of here. So like, um, what happens? You're right, Rory. What happens if it goes badly? Um. In, like we don't know, like all these rumours went on in tip in terms of, um, you know, players going to the county board, um, and allegedly, and um, 
you know, saying that they were unhappy with the preparation. What happened if that happens next year? And does like does he does he walk then? And then like what's the? You're right. Like I I don't know. Like that would be very very interesting if if it doesn't work out with Cahill. Um, I don't know what Tipper going to do then because um, um, they've they've set an awful precedent here that um, you know, like like Bonner took that job. It was like in the meeting with the executive that he had last December. It was accepted they were going into transition, and now they're saying, "Oh, we didn't get out of Munster. We lost four games." you know, relieve your duties. So like what's the like so if they're still accepting that they're in transition, what's their minimum target for, for Cahill for next year? I don't know. Like like that's that's gonna be the interesting thing to see. The statements coming out from Tipperary have been very inconsistent at best. We were told kind of in a statement that when Dean Cal was taking the job that he was approached by the Tip County board last year in the off season and had you know, politely rejected it. So this inference that there had been no contact made before um, Con Bonner's dismissal, I think this had been in the works for a little bit, I think, to be fair. When you see Tommy Dunn, Paul Curran and the backroom staff leaving the day before our kind of um, the infamous PowerPoint presentation slide deck that Con Bonner gave to the management committee. Um, so I think from that perspective, James, I do agree. It's set a dangerous precedent. But the one thing about Liam Cahill is he's very single-minded. What did he do when he went to Waterford? First thing he did was he dropped marquee guys, Morris Shanahan, Noel Connors. He set the tone, shock and awe tactic, got Waterford galvanised. I think he's going to do similar here. I wouldn't be all surprised if there's one or two senior players in Tiberi being a little bit uncomfortable at the moment with Liam Cahill in charge, that there may be no room for them left in the squad next season and really look at the underage setups, you look at his minor, he's under 21, under 20, kind of, he built a squad. He was very focused in terms of the players he wanted. The work rate was everything, along with Michael Bevins as well, the hurling skills coach here. So I think he'll leave no stone unturned. I definitely do think that the strength and conditioning will certainly improve. Rome wasn't built in a day. But as you say, he, his mantra has to win a championship game in Munster next season. If he doesn't, then Colin Bonner was relieved of his duties. Horrible word. But the fact of the matter is, that is what Team Cal has to do. He has to basically get this team competing in the right direction and be competitive in Munster. I think that has been the... This three-year contract means absolutely nothing given to what happened with Colin Bonner. But I think all the indications to Prairie is they're happy that Team Cal is back, but there's so much work to be done here. And I think you're going to see one or two of the really experienced guys from the 2010s teens, teams. Maybe this has been their last season. So it's, again, this transitional squad that Colin Bonner had mentioned in his press release, same with Cash and Cormac's. That is going to be what's facing Michael Bevins and Ian Cahill here. It's going to be an interesting match in the off-season. I tell you what's going to be an interesting game next year is that, um, is that Tip Waterford game. <laughs> oh, Jesus, yeah. Um, you know, uh, and we don't know we don't know now at this point who's, who's taken over in Waterford. But, um, yeah, like, um, uh, that, that's... that's yeah, and unfortunately, you know, it's, it's a long way off it now. But um, yeah, that 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 that's very very tasty uh, at this point out. You know, um, be looking forward to that one. Gonna be an awful lot of subplots. So an awful lot of new managerial teams coming in, teams being revitalised. I think it'll be a very interesting championship next season. I don't think it's as clear cut as Limerick being clear favourites here. I think if you're a Galway, you're a Clare, you're any of the Munster teams here, you're gonna have a right crack at Limerick again next season. You know, you. St- Think of Galway here, lads. You know, literally the two All Ireland semi-finals down, down the stretch. Same with Clare in the Munster Hurling final. They were neck and neck with Limerick, so the gap has significantly closed here. And I think it's all set up for a fascinating championship next season and the league as well, identifying new players. But I suppose a high point, lads, is 
club championship season's kicking off uh, pretty soon here, Rory. Uh, Claire is kicking off this weekend. Yeah, tomorrow at 12 o'clock, it kicks off with Six Mile Bridge versus Newmarket, which is, you know, it's like the old firm. Um, they're, they're both the teams with the highest amount of championships won, Newmarket being top of the roll of honour, but Six Mile Bridge kind of catching them. We're winning one every three years as our uh, current um, rate of winning championships. But um, the interesting thing is, like, the bridge team has hardly changed over the last six, seven years. It's, if anything, maybe one or two changes. It's still like 13, 14 of the same team. And uh, is like, is there another year in them? Um, age-wise, they're not, you know, they're not that old. They're all around the 29-30 mark, which for a club team should be fine. But you're just wondering, yeah. you know, uh, in Clare, it's a funny situation in Clare. Um, there is no real kind of team like, you know, in Limerick, Napier, Shig are kind of the big guns to beat. And in Galway, St. Thomas's, there is no team like that. Like Sixman Bridge maybe are that team that other teams will think if we beat Sixman Bridge, we win the championship. So... You know, um, yeah, so it's a great start to the championship and probably game of the weekend will be um, Clanlara versus Fecal, also in that group, which is on tomorrow evening, I think, at 7pm in Six Mile Bridge. But um, what they're doing is they're streaming all the games. It's 10 euro a game, and I think there's 20 euro for for the whole weekend package if anyone is um, looking for something to do for the day tomorrow. You'll have four live matches in a row. I think, as well, that, I think as well that um, um, it's... You know the the kind of the media out there, at the, like with the split season as well. That uh, there's kind of this perception out there, really, that uh, uh, you know the hurling's over and that uh, we have no hurling uh, between now and uh, and next year. But like we do have, yeah, as you rightly said, club championship is is are running off now, and they're running off at a nice time of the year. And that like um, this is perfect time for hurling here. Like 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 we've given out before that um, you could be at club championship games. Uh, in the in the back end of the year, and uh, you know it, it's um, the conditions are awful, like and um, very difficult to play in good hurling um, in in you know like, like very body pitches, um, very wet conditions. But this is um, you know for like I suppose we really would be trying to encourage people to get out there really and um, to go support them, um, you know, go look at there because there is as we said there there is uh, there is hurling going to be on this summer and so for people to get out there and. Uh, and enjoy it in the good weather, like yeah. Uh, so like um, I mean, the jury will still be out on the on the split season, but we, we'll, you know, we'll take stock of that, I suppose, when the when the the the, the calendar year is over and see how we see what worked out. Absolutely, James. Just in terms of Cork championships, I suppose divisionals have been in full swing for the last few weeks. Yeah, I mean, the, the, you you're you're in terms of the the Cork senior championship. I, there's no real. Like for me, there's no real. Um, I think it's you know there's no real standout team in that you'd say that's uh, you know um, you know that one team looks like significantly over the rest. Um, maybe Sarsfields um, might give a slight edge to, but um, yeah, in McKilly would be there or thereabouts. Um, talking about your Black Rocks and your and your Middletons, but um, yeah, it's uh, it promises to be. Um, uh, closely fought, I'd say that um, like there's no like in McKinley in previous years, you know have have been the dominant, you know going back to three or four years they've been the dominant team, but um, uh, this year yeah it looks it looks fairly wide open for for me, um, so it should be um, roll on um, roll on a good summer of it now, you know. Absolutely, there's no risk for the, the Limerick uh, intercounty hurlers anyway because Limerick Senior Hurling Championship is kicking off the end of July, um, so that's kind of an intriguing league set. I suppose you have top three in the Pierce Patrick's well. Um 
Pierre-Jean Patrick as well, and Kamala, yeah. reigning champions. Forgot them, shouldn't have. So, uh, and then you've Dune. It's going to be very competitive there. I'm looking forward to seeing Kildimo Palace Kennery, what they bring to the table. This Kyle Hayes' club here. You know, they had a magnificent season last year with their footballers as well, entering into the senior grade as well. So, again, an awful lot of competitive games. Being from Ahan here, it'd be interesting to see how Ahan are evolving. It has been a young squad. I think this is the year now to really start kind of uh, getting more competitive and seeing if we can get to a quarterfinal stage of the quarterfinals of the county. So I think it'll be very interesting games there. They'll be streamed, no doubt, in due course. Uh, but yeah, it's very exciting, guys. And even in Tipperary, they've already played a divisional. So I think for an awful lot of counties here, Wexford as well, Karen being in Dubrovnik, that's already three or four rounds into the championship. So I think... Go out and support your local club here. You know, magnificent summer evenings here. Your club needs you. Um, you know, Intercounty has been great, but it's all down to the club. And uh, yeah, best of luck to everyone. Guys, we'll leave it there. It's been absolutely pleasure and privilege to have uh, Rory Walsh, James Mulcair and Kieran Collins on with me there for the Intercounty Hurling season. We'll call back in probably the next few weeks, lads. Uh, see how the club championships are going. Um, see how things are shaping up in various counties. Uh, but yeah, Thank you very much for your contributions, lads. Uh, we've gotten an awful lot of great feedback uh, from an awful lot of people on podcast. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for having us on, Mark. Yeah, I've enjoyed it, yeah. Yeah, no worries. So until, I suppose, in a few weeks' time or whatever, uh, uh, take care and, uh, yeah, see you soon. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles and reports.